You're listening to teaching from Castle Hills Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. More information about Castle Hills Christian Church is available at chccsa.com. anyone at the first Christmas story, who would it be? Maybe it'd be that evil King Herod and you have some pretty pointed questions for him. Maybe it's the Magi and you would ask them about their journey to find Jesus and what it was like to give him presents. Maybe it'd be the shepherds and, and you'd ask them about their divine interruption in the middle of the night as they're tending sheep and they end up going on a journey to see Jesus for the first time. Maybe you'd want to meet Mary and, and talk to her, and it'd be interesting if she told you some details that aren't in Scripture. Maybe Simeon or Anna, or maybe some of you'd be interested in, in talking to Joseph because we really don't know a whole lot about him. He's a man that, that, that's in the background of the Christmas story. Well, today we're going to start a series called Christmas Through the Eyes of Joseph, and it's based on a book called Faithful by Adam Hamilton. And we're going to use this as a guide in our series. You might even want to pick up this book. Again, it's called Faithful by Adam Hamilton. And it might give you some insight to the Christmas story that you had never thought of before. Well, as I mentioned, Joseph is a man that's in the background that you don't hear a whole lot of. There's actually none of his words that he spoke that's recorded in Scripture. There's only 16 verses in the New Testament that even talk about his life whatsoever. But even though he serves in the background, we're going to see that he was a man of character, a man of love and mercy. And we also know that he was the earthly father of Jesus. So what do we know about Joseph? We know that his father was named Jacob. That's found in Matthew 1.16. We know that he's from the line of David. And so that's very significant. We know his hometown was Bethlehem and he lived in Nazareth. We know that he was a devout and a religious man. We also know that he was a poor man. When Mary and Joseph went to take Jesus to the temple to dedicate him, they brought a sacrifice of a turtle dove. And, and this was uh, only given by poor people. Uh, Jews that could afford to do so would always sacrifice a lamb. Well, we don't know how old Joseph was when Jesus was born. There's a lot of speculation. Some think that he was between 16 to 18. Others think that he was much older. Some even come to the conclusion that he was a widower with kids. I know especially our Catholic scholars lean this direction. It is puzzling that we don't see Joseph mentioned a whole lot in Scripture, and especially at Jesus' crucifixion. So that's led some people to thinking that maybe Joseph had died or he was much older than Mary. And, but at the end of the day, we really just don't know how old Joseph was. And I'm not sure it really matters, but I, I think a lot of people speculate. We do know that Joseph was a carpenter. And so if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. We'll start looking at verse 53. 
Matthew chapter 13, and we'll start looking at verse 53. It says, when Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left part of, he left part of the country and he returned to Nazareth, his hometown, and where he taught there in the synagogue and everyone was amazed. Where does he get his wisdom and the power to do miracles? And then note verse 55, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter's son. He's just a carpenter's son. Joseph was a carpenter and, and Jesus was just a carpenter's son. Now skip over to Mark, skip over to Mark uh, verse uh, chapter 6. And we're going to look at the first three verses. Again, we're going to see some very similar terminology here. It says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. And then the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Where did he get all of his wisdom and the power to perform miracles? And then verse three, then they scoffed. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary. And the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and, and Simon, his sisters live right here among us. They were deeply offended and refused to believe him. And so we see that Joseph was a carpenter and we also see that Jesus was a carpenter. Most likely, Joseph passed this down to Jesus. He showed him how to be a carpenter. Now, when we hear the word carpenter, we think about someone who works with wood. With wood. They may have their saw, they have their tools, I mean, they got their tape measure, and they got various tools to be able to, to construct things. Uh, we often think about uh, carpenters building houses or uh, making cabinets or being able to do just some beautiful furniture for us. But it's important for us to understand the Greek word that's used here for carpenter is tekton, and it means craftsman or builder. And so Jesus could have worked with wood, but he could have also worked with other material, including stone. Now, it's important for us to understand that most houses back then were made of stone or dried mud and wood was pretty scarce back then. And, and I found it interesting as I was researching this a little bit is that there was a, a town called Zipporah that was about three miles away from, Z or from Nazareth. And many scholars speculate that Joseph and Jesus probably worked there. It was a booming town. It was a growing town. Uh, actually, the Josephus, the Jewish historian, calls it the Jewel of Galilee. It was a, a growing, beautiful place. And, and it, it would kind of be like New Braunfels or San Marcos for us, a, a place that there's just a lot of houses going in, a lot of things are going on. It's just growing really fast. Well, this would have been this, this type of place. And on top of that, that I found that was interesting, about halfway between Nazareth and Zipporah was a rock quarry. And so many people think that most of the material for this place was from this rock quarry. And Joseph and Jesus may have even stopped at this rock quarry, getting some material for the jobs that they would do. Now, while Jesus may have worked with stone, he may have also worked with wood as well. He may have created doors, he may have created shelving, he may have worked on tools or created tools or toys and maybe even yokes. And so we, we see Jesus working with stone, with wood, all kinds of things. He was a craftsman, a builder, so was Joseph. Now what's significant about this, as I began to think about, about all of Jesus's youth and, and, and thinking about Joseph and some of the things that he might have taught him, is I wonder if Jesus used some of the things that he learned or some of the things that he saw in his teaching. Now, let me give you some examples of this. 
For example, in Mark chapter 12, verses 1 to 12, uh, did Jesus construct a fence or dig a wine press or build a tower in a vineyard or, or observe strained relations between a landowner and his tenants? You, you look at Luke chapter 14, verses 28 to 30, and did Jesus have one of his customers run out of, run out of money halfway through building a tower and leave an unpaid debt? You look at Matthew chapter uh, 7, and you wonder, did Joseph teach Jesus early on how to build a strong foundation for a house? You want to build it on the rock because if it rains and the wind comes, if it doesn't have a strong foundation, it's going to come down. Or maybe even in Matthew chapter 20, did he ever hire assistants and face them grumbling about pay? Or Luke chapter 16, was he ever supervised by a manager who asked him to join in a scheme to defraud the owner? Well, whether Jesus was working with wood or uh, with stone, I, regardless, he was the savior of the world. But I do think it adds some imagery to the Bible as we look at his teaching and we see that Jesus was human. And Jesus was just like us. He, he faced temptation. And he had long days that he went through. And he probably had some clients that, he, that probably made him want to pull out, of it, pull out his hair. He probably even hit his thumb with a, with a hammer more than once. I, I'm sure that there were times that he might have gotten splinters and, and he got frustrated. And, and, and I'm sure that maybe there was times it wasn't always easy working with Joseph. I mean, we know working with family members isn't always the easiest thing in the world. And, and, and I love that about Jesus. I love that we have a God that came into this world that knows our pain, that knows our frustration, that knows uh, how we can get stressed out from time to time. But, but I also love that we have a God that came down to this earth and, and understands that, that out of all of the things that he could do in this world, you know, when, when he looked to think, oh, who should I make Jesus's father? He, he could have chose a doctor, or he could have chose a priest, or he could have chose a religious a teacher, but instead he chose a carpenter a craftsman, a, a, an ordinary man. And, and I look at that and, and, and I see that time and time in scripture. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Now in your sermon notes, you're going to see a, a pretty long list uh, of different people that God used, ordinary people, men and women, to do extraordinary things. But let me just highlight just a few this morning. I think about Noah who created an ark, yet he drank too much. But God showed his faith and God, God still worked through Noah, and even when he was a sinner, even though he messed up. And yes, he drank too much after building the ark, but we see that Noah being this man of faith. I think about Abraham and Sarah. And there's this old washed up couple and, and God says, you know what? I'm going to make a nation out of them. Moses says, I, I can't speak well. God says, I'm going to make you a spokesman and you're going to be the leader of my nation. I, I, I think about um, Rahab, a prostitute. God says, you know what? Yes, you have a past, but I'm going to use you to save the spies. I think about Ehud. Ehud didn't have a lot of ability, but he was left-handed. And God says, you know what? I'm going to use you because you're left-handed to do something amazing. I, I think about Peter, who was a common fisherman, and, and, and he denies Christ three times. And God says, I'm going to use him to do amazing things in the church. Or you think about Paul. 
someone who persecuted the church, who caused all kinds of problems. And God says, you know what, I'm going to make you a leader of the church and you're going to write the majority of the New Testament. That's what God does, is he uses ordinary people time and time again to do extraordinary things. Now, some of you this morning, you may think, well, can God really use me? I've got a past, I've got addiction, I've got problems, I, my life's a mess. And I'd say, yes, God can. He does all the time if we will simply let him. I think one of the barrier, biggest barriers of God using us is us not being available. We get so busy in life and we're doing this and that, that we don't ever just become available for God. We don't always listen to God. And so today, my challenge is very simple to you. Are you available to God? Are you available to let God use you in an extraordinary way? And are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening as you're studying scripture? Are you listening when, when you're worshiping in song? Are you listening in prayer? Are you listening to God? Will you take time to just be still and say, God, I'm available. How do you want to use me in this situation? How do you want to use me in life? I want to give you glory. And so I want to encourage you to ask yourself this question. Am I available? Am I listening to God? One of the things that amazes me is that God took an ordinary piece of wood, a piece of wood that was used for execution, and he turned it upside down. He says, I'm going to use this piece of wood to show people love and mercy and grace. At communion, this time that we're about to celebrate together, we remember not just the execution of Jesus, not just his death, but we remember how he showed us love and grace and mercy, how he forgave our sins. And so when we think of the cross, we don't just think about the execution. Actually, the cross, we, we now wear the cross on our shirts. We have jewelry, we put it in our churches and in our homes. And God says, this, this thing of execution, it's going to remind you of how much I love you. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for the ways that you work in our life. And as we take this time to commune with you, we just want to give thanks that how you use common, common people, common things to do extraordinary things. And I pray that you would help us as we commune with you right now in your precious holy name. Amen.